Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. You're listening to The Silver Stream, a journey through ideas in collaboration with invited guests. I'm Byzantia Harlow, a visual artist and the creator and host of The Silver Stream. Series two focuses on performance, creating a space for visual artists to air audio works. For today's episode, I'll be playing an interview with Rachel Dobbs and Hannah Rose, who work together under the name Low Profile as well as Richard Sharp, who collaborated with them on their recent project, Drumroll. Low Profile's work is centred on an examination of the role of community, individuals and the collective. Low Profile make ambitious and engaging artworks in response to specific contexts. Drumroll is a new Arts Council England-funded audio artwork by Low Profile, in collaboration with Richard Sharp. Composed for eight drums, it was distributed online on New Year's Eve 2020 as a shared but distant listening event. Drumroll takes a simple, recognisable musical flourish, a drumroll, as a starting point and extends and expands this to create an evocative, engaging, immersive listening experience. For today's episode, you'll be hearing the interview with Rachel, Hannah and Richard, which was recorded at the end of December before I had heard the whole of drumroll. Underneath us as we speak, I'll be playing sections of drumroll for you to experience. For more information on this project, please visit we-r-low-profile.com forward slash drumroll. So, hi, my name's Hannah um, and I'm one half of Low Profile. And I'm Rachel, I'm the other half of Low Profile. Hi, I'm Richie and uh, I'm the drummer who's collaborated with Low Profile. And could you guys, could um, Hannah and Rachel, could you just give us a bit of brief background on what Low Profile actually is before we get into drum roll? Sure. Um, So, Rachel and I have been working together as artists in collaboration under the name Low Profile since about 2003, so quite a while. Um, We met at university on our fine art degrees in Exeter um, and we had no plan whatsoever to work together or to continue working together over an extended period. Um, But uh, that's what's happened. So we spent the first 10 years of our kind of collaboration majority mostly making live work and presenting work at um 
in live art festivals um, in the UK and in Europe. Um, and then in around 2013, um, we sort of actively decided to take ourselves out of the work um, and have mostly been making work with arts organisations, um, often in response to specific contexts and invitations, quite often outside of gallery contexts, but not always. So we make work, the work that we make takes various different shapes and forms. So uh, this is an audio work that we've been making in collaboration with Richie, but previously we would have made, um, what will we have made? Large public, you know, pu public works, uh, like text works on buildings or in public squares or small scale works like badges or other types of online uh, digital work, lots of different types of things. How, well, first of all, I'm interested in whether you guys work independently of low profile as artists as well. And then I'm interested in like how your collaboration is kind of framed, like what your specific interest is within like the public space, I suppose. Yeah. So um, so sometimes we do do little bits and pieces individually or as part of other projects. Um, but both of our kind of main like artistic output is as low profile. And the things that we're really interested in as low profile often revolve around people. So things to do with community, ideas of uh, what it means to be an individual or part of a collective. Um, and thinking really about like the experiences that people have as part of um, the work that we make. So uh, the audience is always kind of at the centre. The audience and the experience of the artwork is always at the centre for us. It's the first thing that we're thinking about and it's the thing that we're always like designing towards. So um, for us, we're less likely to start with like a medium and more likely to start with thinking what it will be like to experience a thing. I was just going to add that... Um... I suppose like over the years a lot of we've worked with people and that that's as part of that process and so in different ways and so sometimes that's as participants or as kind of experts within their own fields as collaborators um and that can take different scales and forms as well and so it's not unusual for us to bring other people into the process of making work in different ways um, and do you want to just briefly sort of give a bit of a background on drum roll and how that started and yeah, the thoughts behind that and the research and, you know, things like this? I was going to say it's been a really long process. <laughs> I think the really like the a really early seed of this idea is goes back as far as like 2015 when we were when we were making a different work called Impromptu, which was a work that we made with a Freddie Mercury impersonator called called Gary Mullen um who is the guy that won stars in their eyes if anybody remembers that <laughs> as Freddie Mercury and we at the time we were spending a lot of time watching videos of crowds and crowds singing back to Freddie and we were also thinking a lot about the space of call and response and yeah and what it that thing of amplifying your voice by doing something in unison with other people and so we were also at the time getting a bit obsessed by watching like 
people drumming in large groups or like percussive um, noise making at concerts or that type of thing. And and nothing kind of came out of it at that point. But I think that's probably like the really, really early seed of it. Um, and then it's kind of developed we've sort of picked that back up in around, I don't know, what's it, Rachel, like 2017, um, where we started to think more specifically about a drum um, and what and what you could do with a drum and the idea of uh, narrowing that interest and thinking about a drum roll in particular, where which is normally something which is like, something that somebody does on their own like a drum mostly people you know you do get more than one drummer in band sometimes but mostly it's like a kind of solo um act and and drum rolls in particular are something that aren't normally uh composed for more than one person maybe and so we started to think about that as a kind of focus for exploring those ideas of individuals and collectives um I have actually been to Plymouth. In Plymouth, I had this really crazy experience where I was like really heartbroken um, and I had to give this talk. I had this like time in Plymouth where I didn't have anything to do. And I ended up getting on this like random fishing boat and um, ended up in this place across from Plymouth. I think it's called Cow Sand. Cool Sand. Yes. Yes, I ended up there and I was like, oh my God, this place is so magical. It's like got this amazing energy and like all this weird coincidence happened like years later with this person that I later fell in love with who like goes there every year for his holiday. And I had the picture of the house that he stays in on my phone. So it's like this weird synchronicity. And then when I realized I was doing this, I was like, are these drums, like, is this drum sound going to be playing out of, like, Plymouth towards that place as well? Like, I found that really strange. Where, could you explain the, like, logistics of, um, or maybe you want to talk more about, like, Richie, maybe you want to talk more about um, the composition, but I'm also really interested in, like, the logistics of where the drums are going to be, the sound is coming from, and all of that stuff as well. So maybe Richie could talk about the composition first, but do tell me about that, because I'm interested at some point. Yeah, so the, the whole composition side of things, it started out as it was going to be sort of like a live work. I know we experimented like a couple of years back um, with having like more than one drummer. Um, but due to the, like the, obviously the, the current situation with the coronavirus, um, we've had to like sort of transform it into like a digital work. Um, so the process has been sort of quite interesting um, because obviously there's one person playing all eight parts now. So um, a lot of the, the whole composition has had to rely on um, like a method or a timeline in it for, for it to sound as though you've got eight players communicating with each other. Um, but obviously in a live sense, uh, that I'm not kind of speaking to another player. I'm kind of speaking to myself, <laughs> if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm kind of um, laying it out in such a way that I can interpret uh, Hannah and Rachel uh, wanting me to kind of evoke from the drum, um, but then I've got to lay it out in such a way that it sounds like spherical, you know, like there's, a, there's eight drummers around you in, in the headspace. Um, so, that, yeah, there's been a lot of like sort of uh, challenges in finding like kind of a platform to do that from um, because it makes sense when you've got like musicians around you and you can position the listener differently. 
can kind of compose around that and then you can get feedback straight away. The way it's had to work as a digital work is it's, uh, there's been a lot of like trial and error and recording ideas um, and then listening to them back and just kind of constructing it that way around. Um, and then obviously later in the process because you've got kind of the artist and the musician collaborating together there's kind of there's also this like barrier of what I interpret as this style of drumming role and um, Hannah and Rachel might describe as sounding like a plague of wasps <laughs> so so then then you you get these like this new kind of terminology and it's like right okay so I'll have to listen to that bit back and go right that's what they think's a plague of wasps so then then I have to like take that forward again and then like play around with the sound of the drum and uh, which players are doing what, uh, line it all up, and I can only really assess what it sounds like after I've done the recording, because and obviously I need to get the eight, tra eight of the tracks kind of lined up, uh, and then put the headphones on, and then just see if it's kind of delivering the sound that's that's kind of what wanted by Hannah and Rachel. Do we have a listen to a bit of the drum roll now? The idea is that everyone listens at the same time on New Year's Eve, so it becomes this kind of participate, I suppose, part or collaborative listening experience. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But you did want to, did you want to at some point have people actually doing it live and like, yeah. That's definitely where it started. We imagined like a, a, an audience in a space with eight drummers. And, and so, yeah, I suppose we're interested in like what it might be for like for people to imagine a hundred or however many people will have signed up you know also listening in that moment but not obviously being together um but I think actually what we're thinking now uh into the future is that we the next step might be to install this as a kind of um as a sound in sound installation within a space so not not with drummers but with speakers um because that's how I kind of first of all when I because it's nice because it is this project where the the listener or the viewer or the person thinking about it does project their own because like exactly. I was saying I had this fantasy of it being this very romantic thing of like this place I visited and I imagined that there would be like an actual speaker or something and it would be this drumming out to see like that's how I pictured it so it's yeah. quite nice that people can have their own kind of Thing on it and also just this idea I mean it's perfect for like what's going on at the moment with corona and like new year's eve and this like thing of everyone coming together to do something because god knows what we'll be allowed to do so I think it's like really nice and it's responded really well to that there's actually a really nice quote um 
Hans Ulrich Oberst describing his curatorial work as junction making between objects, people, and between people and objects. And I think that's kind of relevant somehow for this. This idea of like participation, but at a kind of, I don't know, or like things striking up kind of imaginative worlds for like a group of people or something. Thinking about um, the very first kind of workshopping and testing that we did. So the way that we met Richie uh, was through putting out like a call out for drummers and we asked people to send us um, like their kind of um, audition tapes, like an, an audition tape on video of themselves drumming, uh, doing, holding a drum roll for 10 minutes, I think something like that. Um, and then uh, got in touch with three drummers that we met through that process. Um, spent a day in, in like a studio trying some things out. And then from that, um, we continued carry, to carry on the conversation with Richie and then went to do another day um, of rehearsal with, um, how many people, Richie, did you bring with you from work? <laughs> I, think, I, I, think, uh, I think it was about like eight or 10 or something like that. Um, obviously, for, I'm fortunate enough that I'm in like a job where I, I, I know I, my colleagues are like 15 drummers, so it was kind of ideal, really. But yeah, I've kind of borrowed a few uh, Royal Marine buglers to um, come on. Yeah, because you're in the Royal Marines, and it, there was this record thing, right? Yes, yeah. So the the Royal Marines band service um, decided to do like a a charity fundraiser by doing like a Guinness World Record for the longest drum roll. So it's quite it's quite comical, really. I got tagged in the uh, obviously the advert from um, Low Profile um, saying, "Oh, we're looking for drummers to do a long drum roll," and I remember I remember I didn't I didn't send a video because I, I just kind of sent a link to the um, <laughs> to the Guinness World Record. And that was yeah, that was something that we'd already watched as well, which is kind of crazy. Then you know we were like, well, how can we not meet this guy? You know. He's, he's part of one of our favourite videos. <laughs> yeah, that's like this synchronistic thing. Oh, so in that video, it was different people taking over from each other. That's right, yeah. Oh, I was like, if this is one guy who's been doing this for like 11 hours. I was like, what? That's what I thought. I was like, oh my God. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Okay, got it. Yeah, no, it's like an amazing relay. Um, and I guess, yeah, the reason that was kind of bringing that back to mind was thinking about when, when we were in that, like, second workshopping day, the sense also of, like, having these eight drums in the space and, and that sense of, like, what would start to resonate within the space. So even, do you remember, Richie, like, the snares of, of the other drums would be vibrating when one person was playing? And that sense of like, you know, can we do that with people as well and create a shared listening event where something is resonating between different people over distance? Yeah, uh, it was it was kind of like the. I remember the first thing I decided to do was plot it out on like a graph and have like different colours different players and work out a way I can sort of dovetail it so when one person relaxes another person can take over um, but I, I kind of under, underestimated the complexity of it um, 
there's just there was quite a lot of hurdles in it's just basically like playing um like a jigsaw puzzle trying to like make it in such a way that makes sort of compositional sense also like is physically possible to play i know my first draft um when i recorded all the eight parts i didn't give enough rest i didn't realize how difficult it was actually playing a role for 20 minutes and uh <laughs> my wrist was killing at the end of the first session so uh yeah it's it's been it's been sort of like just playing around with um sort of structure really just to make it actually possible for one person to come out with a long 32 minute drum roll <laughs> also for the listeners i feel it well i've listened to it obviously i've listened to the little um extract that is like really amazing but i just imagine it going on for that long it's going to make you so tense because you know like a drum roll you just associate this short drum roll with like something's going to happen anticipation but then there's like no relief for like 20 minutes i don't know it's going to be really interesting to listen to it's it's interesting to record because some of the some takes are like three or four minutes long and then i can like record the next section but on others it's like a, a 13 minute continuous section and if you, because I've got like a guide track where I've recorded my own vocals, but kind of cues me in. So it's like, I'll say something like, "Play a two, play in a three, two, one, sort of thing." <laughs> so, so everything works up at the same time. But the problem is, if I misread the play along and I'm 13 minutes into the take and I play something wrong, I have to get rid of that whole take because there's no, there's no, because it's continuous. It's not like I can kind of drop in a new recording. Um, which is kind of frustrating. We've been putting you through your paces, Richie, haven't we? <laughs> From the start of <laughs> yeah, this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh. Uh, maybe this is a good time to have a listen to another part. For us, it was really important that this is playable, and so, like, you know, that's what we've been saying to Richard along. This has to be a thing that could be played. Like, it can't be a thing that is manipulated in post-production. Um, and so, we make as part of the project later in the new year. We'll make a score together um, and publish a score, so that this becomes like a piece of music, essentially an unusual piece of music that could be played. So I, I think it's also that imaginative space of this being performed is something that's as interesting as it actually being performed live. And we sort of really like the idea that eight drummers somewhere might decide to take on the challenge of, uh, <laughs> of doing it, trying to do it. Richie, what do your friends in the Royal Marines think of this project then? It's actually it's actually quite funny. Um, when I was recording the last session, I had this... Um, like piece of paper on the in the concert hall saying like recording in progress please be quiet and like there's people like creeping in to get like an instrument and creeping back out but 
it, but it's kind of funny because when I finish the session, they're kind of asking me questions like, "Are you all right? <laughs> Are you feeling okay?" And uh, one of the lads, like, he came in at like um, ten in the morning, and then I was still there at like nine at night, and he comes back in to get something else, and he's he's just looking at me like, "You've been playing that drum roll all day. Like, what's what's wrong with you? You know what I mean?" But uh, yeah, so I think people at work are kind of thinking I'm going a bit insane. But um, it it's like when I try and explain what I'm doing, it kind of opens a can of worms and I get excited about it. And then I'm like, I'm talking about it for about 20 minutes and I'm just itch- itching to get back to the recording. It's like, right, I'm player three out of eight here. I've got another like five players to record. So yeah, it's been uh, event- eventful. <laughs> working with eight drummers to extend and keep a drum roll going and to pass the drum roll and to work collaboratively and to compose within that space got really exciting um because it you know suddenly you could you know drum roll could move it could move around the room by using by composing with with people to make this thing um have behave in the way that it wouldn't normally behave and and to use relays within the work and i think like for us that's something that has has continued into the kind of final composition like we we've composed with like the ideas of passing a drum roll or a drum drum roll moving and shifting between people and so like if if you were to imagine the eight people doing that then in a kind of live situation then there'd obviously be moments when one of those drummers is pausing but the drum roll itself is never dropped like if that makes sense um and but for this version of course Richie's like he was explaining has had to come up with this kind of insane way of like basically cueing himself and listening to himself and creating kind of click tracks is that what they're called Richie click tracks yeah what you were saying as well Richie about um about like the kind of language and stuff you know like Hannah and I have no musical training you know, we can like sing along with our hairbrushes to the radio and that's about the extent of our kind of musicianship. Um, and I think that's another part that's kind of, that's really interesting about the like working process, that weird thing of, you know, how do we, you, you know, like all three of us are like really creative practitioners and how do we find like languages or ways to work together? Yeah. If I may may add to that, like, I think that's been probably helped in a way. It's kind of helped the composition because what I've considered to be sort of a musical model, for example, like there's two types of drum rolls. You've got open rolls and you've got closed rolls. Now, that's a musical term that I kind of had to translate to Hannah and Rachel. But I've kind of constructed sections, for example, as a section where I go from a closed roll into like little... Um, exposures of kind of open rolls. Now, to the ear, that sounds like almost like this fluttering effect where you get these little flutters bouncing around. Now, that's something that like Hannah and Rachel like would describe as the flutter section. And then there's another bit where I'm doing like semi-quavers, for example. Um, and that's, to me, that's just semi-quavers, but they hear that as party time <laughs> or, sam- <laughs> or samba. <laughs> But now the good thing about that is, is when they describe it and they give me feedback that says like, oh, this sounds like it's really like um, chucking it down. And it's like, sounds like a lot of, oh, this sounds like uh, you've, 
you know, it's raining outside and you've kind of stepped indoors and it's hitting like the veranda and all these sort of things. When I come to do like another draft, I'm thinking of that rather than the musical sense. So then I, I can then like sort of tailor my approach to playing the snare drum. So maybe you should have like two eventual scores, one where it is like the musical score and one where it's like your guys interpretation. Like, and now we have light rain hitting a veranda. I don't know. It could be like really interesting, <laughs> though, like to bring that into it. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we are going to try and find a way of having both of our voices in the score, you know, and to have it as a thing that can be played. But also it's really important that those things that we think it evokes sort of are in it mm. somehow in you know within the instructions or the kind of playing instructions we were so excited like when we heard the first very first kind of um experiments that um richie sent to us based on all the co- many many conversations we had me and rachel were just like oh man it sounds like the waves and it it always sounds like the rain or and we got so excited about that and that was something that was completely unexpected to us and and suddenly that really triggered the work in a different way than we'd anticipated and I think for us obviously we live by the sea it feels like we've been living through I mean it sounds kind of maybe really cliched but like we've been living through a really kind of stormy turbulent moment this year and it just felt really like right those sounds that Richie was creating just felt really like evocative and and like the right kind of things that we wanted to uh, draw out of the work but we would never have known that at the start of the process yeah and I think like Richie's saying we kind of went with it in that like ping pong between us around um just yeah like really careful listening to to Richie's playing and because of our inability to have like a kind of technical language around what we're hearing uh, starting to describe it through this more like evocative visual or experiential thing um yeah and I I don't think we could have predicted that I think that it would have been it would have felt a bit mad Richie wouldn't it if we had said to you like come and play the rain yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's well the thing is it, it it's one of those things where it I say it was an accident but Kind of not really, because when we layered everything, like for me, when I layered it up to send the, the tracks over to yourself, um, it was something that I didn't realise it was going to sound like rain until I layered it up. Because um, obviously, to me, I'm just recording one drum at a time. So I'll be, I'm playing something, it's an idea, that I think, oh, this might sound good if you've got eight people doing the same thing. But it was only really when I lined it up and I was like, this really sounds like wasps. Oh. <laughs> and it's a, it's a bit of an accident, but in in essence, that kind of... Like you say, when you listen to those first models like I sent over to you, um, it kind of gives you a, a direction where you're like, this really sounds like you're in the middle of a storm almost, you know, and you've got all these different sections going on. And because, because like, um, it, you know, it doesn't sound, it sounds like imagery. It's like art in sound, isn't it, form, in essence. But, and it paints a picture. And then I think that really, like you say, it kind of steered us into the, the direction we kind of wanted to take it yeah and I guess also like I mean I definitely have been during this whole kind of lockdown time really you know not leaving the five mile radius of where I live and like a lot of people probably you know going for those walks or repeated like visits to different places 
and I've definitely appreciated like Plymouth's kind of geographical position in a completely different way when when you have to be in the same place like the same you know three or five mile radius for like nine months of time you become really glad that the sea is there you be, you know you really you really kind of appreciate that well it's really nice for me because like that whole that that sea to me was so like special and like I don't know like evocative and weird and then that you're kind of creating it through this sound that then like then I'm going to have playing through my radio late like years later it's quite weird for me as well I'm like oh that's a nice like poetic thing that's happened it's very strange for me so I'm like really into it I think like this you know we're really fortunate that we do live where we live but I think people have that idea of like horizons you know and like looking out and the idea of kind of shouting out to the horizon or calling out to the horizon or you know and that or that sense of what it's like to shout out into the rain or the wind and to be hit by the, you know heavy rain and wind and it and although that it for us it's a lot of that is located because we're here I think it's something that I hope people can imagine and that sort of that space yeah yeah definitely there's a really nice quote from um, Nicholas Buriard in relational aesthetics which I think is quite appropriate um it's we can in other words no longer regard contemporary works as a space we have to walk through contemporary art resembles a period of time that has to be experienced or the opening of a dialogue that never ends I feel like that is quite appropriate for this project as well Really nice, yeah. And that sense of like duration and I guess that's, I mean, it's something that a lot of people might be considering this year more than they normally have been because time has been feeling strange for so many people. But also like that sense in, in the thing that we were very first drawn to with the whole idea of drum roll, which was like a drum roll is usually short and it's about anticipation, build up and release. And how can we like play with that or, or bring that into, you know, it having those qualities, but it also having um, different types of richness about this. Like there's something about this piece being like 30 minutes long and that sense of like, dedicating time to it. Also, like Neil, who's working with us on the uh, mixing and mastering, was saying that really, like, what Richie's made here is like an ode to a snare drum. You know, it's like a poem of love to this... Uh, <laughs> to this... <laughs> to this one particular instrument. And that sense of, like, really trying to push something to its limits, you know, like... I guess, like Hannah and I were talking about, um, you know, starting off making kind of live art and performances. One of the things there for us was always like duration and repetition and what happens when you're in a space with other people doing something potentially ridiculous for a really extended period of time. <laughs> And so, yeah, so I guess like that's at the roots of the roots of what we're kind of getting at. And I, and I suppose also, Richie, like that was one of the things that was quite funny, wasn't it, about working together first off, 
was this sense where we were like, okay, only play this one drum in your drum kit. Only play it in buzz rolls. Only. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's interesting for me, like listening to it, especially like the first listen of like putting it together was how you hear it as a snare drum to begin with. And like everyone, like you say, everyone associates it with anticipation. Like someone's run, someone's won like a raffle ticket and there's a, there's a roll going on, but because it just, it's so extended and elongated, you kind of like, you're waiting for something to happen. But when things start, you know, when other players start layering up, then it, you kind of forget you're listening to a snare drum almost because it becomes this homogenous hum of craziness <laughs> and it just kind of yeah it kind of just grows from there really we've made we've made like a little intro um track to be played before um the work and we today added a line in it saying what you're listening to is drums <laughs> or something along those lines because we've thought it's actually it's really important to remind people that this is just richie playing snare drum because it does at times sound nothing like that <laughs> Or it maybe sounds like we've done quite a lot of work to it, uh, adding lots of effects and things like that, and we haven't. And so we thought we we should probably just say that this is just a guy in the snare drum, um, because it does sound otherworldly and weird, and it makes noises that yeah we certainly didn't imagine. <laughs> Um, so in terms of actually working on the project during lockdown, because obviously everything is a little bit tricky, like how have you guys been handling that? Do you guys all live in Plymouth? Have you been doing it remotely? Like how, how's the actual, actual like practical side of things evolved? So yeah, it's been uh, kind of like challenging really, because I live up in Scotland, uh, in, in Fife, oh. Dunfermline. So kind of... Uh, communicating we've had to do it all digitally through lockdown um, actually the, the compo composing aspect of it I've kind of done it all kind of by myself kind of self-contained and had to record obviously each part individually and it's just been a, a case of having like sort of regular uh, video calls with uh, Hannah and Rachel and Neil and kind of just getting back into the studio and and recording another section sending it back um, obviously we couldn't kind of brainstorm ideas together so I think we started off like where I kind of came up with 
but I think it was about 15 sort of short ideas um, of like, okay, this is how a wave might sound, this is how like a circular motion might sound, this is just me experimenting with different things. And I kind of sent that all over by like an email link, and at which point, you know, Hannah and Rachel and Neil would get together, listen to it, give me feedback. And it was just kind of that kind of trial and error um, sort of process. But yeah, since working on it, we had one meeting down Plymouth when I was down visiting my girlfriend. But then after that, you know, it's kind of all been done online, really. I think we were really fortunate that we had a, um, we'd already done these workshops together. So like back in 2017, I think that's the right year. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rachel. Um, we did a crowdfunder because we had this idea to do something with with a drum roll and to do that we needed drummers and so we needed a bit of funding basically to to help us kind of test this stuff out to see if there was anything in this idea or not um, and so we did a crowdfunder and that enabled us to do some sort of research and development time working with Richie and other drummers in a kind of workshop setting and kind of testing and work workshopping ideas together so that gave us a really good foundation for not only having already built a relationship with Richie and since those workshops we'd we'd have cups of tea and we'd like keep checking in with each other and he knew that we were trying to find various ways to make this work and to see if it would um, you know if, if it needed to be commissioned if we needed an organization to kind of work with us and and it's sort of been a slow process but I think because we had that foundation in place it's meant that working over distance has been a lot easier because we already had some level of shared language um that we'd built through those workshops and that's enabled us to work much quicker than we would have been able to without that in place because this has been quite a short project really like the, this ends part of it and making the final composition has only been three months I think oh wow and you got arts council funding for it right yeah, that's right. And um, that kind of came about because um, we were thinking, you know, we were kind of thinking during the like first lockdown time and during the summer about how we wanted to really try and make this project happen and what would it take. Um, and there was also something like there was probably something about the lockdown stopping people being able to even get together where we could think about this project not just as a live performance because that that had been one of the things that was going to be tricky about it that it needed eight players that we'd need to have the right type of space to bring people into and actually I guess like that kind of weird freedom of not being able to meet up um, meant that we could like think about this a bit differently and that's what's that's what restarted our conversation, wasn't it, Richie? I think that sense of like uh, in the situation we find ourselves, what could we make? What could we do to like bring this out into the world? Definitely, and it's like pushed it into something even more like inclusive than that original thing could have been because people can listen from anywhere and experience like this location through sound. So it's like synesthetic and. Um, you know, strange and much more, I think much more interesting. So it's really cool. 
I, I think you're right. And I think like, you know, the frustrations of, often as an artist is that you'll have like this idea, as you're sure you know, like you have this idea, thing that you really want to make, but then it needs a bunch of resources for it to be realised or it needs like a commission or it needs like a whole load of kind of logistics behind it. And actually the barrier that we were facing for trying to make this as a live performance was it did need quite a lot of resource because it would have evolved yeah a whole construction of a live event and all that's involved with that and probably would have cost a lot more money and needed a kind of partner organization and as Rachel says suddenly like realizing that we didn't need to do it like that and perhaps it was better that we didn't do it like that meant that we were free much freer to kind of just make this happen ourselves and quite quickly self self-organize um to apply for funding and we're really fortunate to get that so that we could work with Richie, pay Richie properly, uh, work with producers and all that kind of thing to to make this be a thing that could go out in the world. And we, I think in our practice, like we, we quite like working like that, you know, on things that kind of be a bit more sort of responsive and self-initiated and it suits us. <laughs> and also that, that kind of like shift of things happening just at the right place at the right time. So like... The Arts Council announced that they didn't need any kind of match funding for applications. And that's freed up lots of different artists and practitioners, I think, to be able to realise projects way faster than they'd normally be able to do it, even under like the really hard kind of circumstances that we're living through. So and like having the thing ready to go or having the thing already worked up to a certain point and it just needed like a little release valve you know this was like the release valve that we found which is really nice i find it really frustrating as well like during the lockdowns and stuff that there would just be all these online viewing rooms of like jpegs of art i was like why aren't curators like using these empty shop fronts and then eventually projects started to trickle through like people were using the advertising billboards in like Piccadilly Circus and people were doing pop-ups in their like balconies and I was like okay great this is really interesting because like god no one wants to see another online viewing room of like jpegs and so it's like a really nice way of using like the internet and crossing time and space and like playing around with all of these things um, in a much more interesting way than a lot of people were approaching like the issues of having artworks in lockdown so that's really good um yeah yeah and also I guess like when we were kind of putting these plans in in like August or September maybe it was that we were that we were kind of putting in a funding bid we were looking ahead and thinking about like, oh yeah, this, you know, we're going to have New Year's Eve. We're going to have Christmas and New Year's Eve time. The COVID stuff isn't going to have gone away. It it will still be weird. And because Hannah and I are often thinking about like, what are those spaces and times when people come together, you know, outside of art, like in 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 other parts of our lives, and for a lot of people, like the end of the year and New Year's Eve becomes a really big focus of like gathering en masse. And and we could see at that time, I guess, that that just completely wasn't going to be happening. So what could we do again, responding to that situation um, that that probably won't happen in the same way again?
you know, fingers crossed, there's not going to be a whole lot of New Year's Eves that we have through this these types of conditions. Well, I'm definitely going to be listening on New Year's Eve <laughs> and like getting friends to listen as well. Like, I'm really excited for it because like you say, it's going to be a strange one. And I think it, it's actually going to make my New Year's Eve for sure, like very special. Because like I said, I have this like very strange association with the sea that, you know, I'm imagining it to be. And I think this whole idea of you guys facilitating this kind of imaginary encounter with an environment through sound is like just so interesting and it reminds me of um like a final quote from participation documents of contemporary art which is edited by claire bishop um and she's talking about Arancia and she says in calling for spectators who are active interpreters Rancia implies that the politics of participation might best lie not in anti-spectacular stagings of community or in the claim that mere physical activity would correspond to emancipation, but in putting to work the idea that we are all equally capable of inventing our own translations. And I think this is really interesting, this idea of like the audience being active rather than passive and then kind of... um, just authoring this thing in part through their kind of imagination so you're like creating this sort of soundscape I guess that is visual but they are also then adding in their own kind of um stuff you know as all as all viewers viewing artworks do but it's just like this very this idea of this kind of collaborative imagining I think through sound that's how I see it anyway we are standing on Plymouth Hoe it's raining lightly but it's that sideways, misty rain that immediately gets you soaking wet. We take cover by the Lido, finding a seat in the complex of concrete booths that are set back from the path and overlook the sea. As we put our headphones on, we can still just hear the waves lapping the shoreline below. We've been thinking about what it feels like to be exposed to the elements and forces outside our control the calm before the storm. We watch as crowds form and disperse. We notice swells, gusts and changes in the atmosphere. We lean out over the railings and shout into the wind and the rain, which is now heavy and hard. We hear the sound of voices calling out and echoing over distance. It feels safe here, protected in our shelter, as the storm beats the sea and the rocks below. Did you guys write that, by the way? Yes, that's that's us. And we've written like a kind of a sort of extension or version of that for the introduction text uh, that will be played before drum roll. Because I think for us, it was about trying to, you know, everybody, it's like trying to draw people in and, and set a moment. Because we were sort of saying that like when you when you do go to a live performance, uh, say we were to do this live, of course, there's a there's sort of like a series of preparations or small preparations that happen where you you kind of prepare to enter that type of space you prepare to kind of give it your time and to kind of maybe you turn up you can't access your phone it's in your bag you know you've kind of like are really aware of who else is in the room and the sounds and and so we were thinking about how can we help people kind of enter that listening space um because obviously we are all in our homes and it's much harder to do that when there's a million and one distractions around and so we're writing these texts like um that you're mentioning as a as a way to try and 
create that imagine what you were saying around that sort of collaborative imagined space yeah. I suppose that's really nice that is really clever and interesting you're right because there is usually that you know all the kind of social um I guess like I don't know just the genre of like viewing or listening to something in a context which people wouldn't have the same thing so it's really nice that you kind of put that in place to make it um a, it's like ritualizing it a little bit isn't it it's really nice Absolutely, yeah, and I think it's that it's that stuff, isn't it, that you learn through, um, you know, going to like things that are live and online at the moment. You you are like if you're sat there with your camera off, you know, you might be like knitting or eating or whatever, 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 and you completely wouldn't be doing that if you were in a theatre space or in an auditorium, and so so we've. I guess like we're also as we get more used to being kind of co-present um online we're also getting way more casual with this and way more casual so it's very hard to actually create that space of attention and create that space of um yeah like it is ritual isn't it you know when you go into a into an auditorium like for a classical music performance or something there's masses of ritual going on. Shall we listen to another little clip of drum roll?
So is there anywhere that people can go and listen to Drumroll after the fact? Yeah, so Drumroll's going to be available for the first two weeks of January and you'll be able to access that and um, listen to it, stream it from our website, which is wearelowprofile.com and that has hyphens in between each of those words, uh, forward slash drumroll. But I reckon if you Google low profile drumroll Plymouth, you'll probably find it. Amazing. Um, is there anything else you guys want to say that we've forgotten about or you want me to ask you? Do you want me to ask you about upcoming stuff? I think I think our, our sort of, our hope kind of into next year is that we think about getting this in, installing the work into a, into a space and so we're in we did, yeah we're interested to kind of test what it will be like to set this up as a kind of installed sound installation um with eight speakers um within some sort of kind of empty interesting empty space with good acoustics and so um yeah that's the next step i suppose is that we we we'd like to explore that so i imagine that we'll do that at some point hopefully next year probably in plymouth initially um and test that out and then see if that's something that might end up um going to other cities um as another way of people experiencing the work Thanks so much for joining me, Rachel, Hannah and Richie. Um, it's been really fun hearing about your project. Uh, and yeah, thanks for, very much for coming on the Silver Stream. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Silver Stream on Soho Radio. I'm creator and host, Byzantia Harlow. And for today's episode, I was joined by 
Rachel Dobbs and Hannah Rose, who work together under the name Low Profile, as well as Richard Sharp, who collaborated with them on their recent project, Drumroll. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.